0: In 1986, a guy named Gregory Boyle, who was a Jesuit priest, received the toughest assignment of his life. He was currently at a parish over in Central America, uh, but his assignment was to go to a place called Boyle Heights in L.A. Let me tell you a little bit about Boyle Heights. It was the most gang-infested area of L.A. and one of the most gang-infested areas of the entire country. And he went to a place called Dolores Mission, which was, just happened to be the poorest parish in, in L.A. at that particular time. Uh, and when he got there, uh, it was just it was housing projects, it was violence, it was gang members everywhere. And, and he wondered, how am I going to help? How am I going to help these people? And so for the first couple of years, you know, he went out and about. He didn't, he didn't get all hunkered down and go, I'm just going to stay low and hope I don't get shot. But he said, I'm going to try to connect with these people and to see, see what I can do. And so he was out and, and networking and just getting to, to know people. And the latter part of the 80s, while he was there, he called it the decade of death. He said, all I did was funerals. Just did one funeral after the other. Gang members, killing gang members, killing gang members. And, and he thought to himself, How, what can I do? How can I make a difference in, in these, these younger people's lives for the, for the most part? And, and he said to himself, you know what they need is they don't need incarceration because that's what everybody wants to do with gang members. They just need opportunity. They, they, they need hope. They, they need jobs. And so he set off to establish an opportunity. And, and what he did was they, they found an old burnout bakery that had been abandoned. And he, he cast a great vision. He, he got a Hollywood producer behind him and he got some other people behind him that were going to fund this thing and they opened up a bakery, Homeboy Bakery. Anybody ever bought those products? You ever seen that before? So Homeboy Bakery opens up, and suddenly there's an opportunity for hundreds, and later thousands today, over 15,000 gang members, to have an opportunity. How many of you have ever read the book, Tattoos on the Heart? Gregory wrote that book. Gregory Boyle wrote that book. And, And what he said was, I I knew that it wasn't enough for for me to go in by myself and and do all this. I had to cast a vision, but the idea was I wanted to equip them so that they could equip themselves. I wanted to help them so that they could help each other. And I figured if if I provided a job, if we could just get someplace that would provide a job, then they would rise to the occasion. And that they would begin to equip each other and help each other. I, I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, One of the largest things they do today, because today it's called Homeboy Industries, and they do a whole bunch of stuff. It's really expanded. Uh, is They are the largest tattoo removal uh, company in the country, business in the country. You might, well, you know, a lot of you, including myself, have tattoos. You're like, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, when you walk into a room, and Gregory said this happened one day, a guy walked in, he says, I can't seem to get a job. And in large letters on his forehead, it said, F the world. He said, I think I understand why. And that caused him to say, you know what, we need to find a way to get some of these terrible tattoos off of all of you, and men and women, and uh, today, it, it's just an amazing thing that's happening over there. Now, now why, why am I telling you this? Because it really relates to what we're going to talk about today, about it really equipping other people. You know, when Jesus uh, walked around in his ministry about three years, you ever thought of that, if anybody could have ever started a megachurch, it would have been Jesus, like, everybody would have gone to that church. Who's the pastor? Jesus. Pretty cool, right? But, but he didn't do it that way. He was into multiplication. Jesus said, you know what? If we're ever going to reach the world, we're going to have to do it this way. So he has 12 disciples, but very soon he has 72 disciples. And beyond that, he would have more disciples. In fact, if you read in Matthew chapter 12, you'll see that at one point he takes 72 of them and he goes, okay, I think you're prepared, go. Just go out there and, and you know, heal people and bless people and preach the gospel and help the poor. And, and so the, the 72 come, go out. And you know what happens when they come back? You can read about yourself. These guys are stoked. They come back and they go, wow, Jesus. I mean, amazing thing happened. And they're pumped. So they, they now want to start discipling other people. That's really the big idea today, that, that God wants to help us to help people, but, but to equip people by, by, in the way of doing it. Now, I, I, some of you are probably wondering about this. Actually, there's two reasons I, I, I brought this up here. It's a mister, it actually has a little fan on it. Right? And so I've been super hot the last few Sundays, so I thought this, this actually might help. But it, this scripture right here says that you are a mist. I don't know if you can see that. There you go. Oh man, it feels good. It says, You, you are a mist that appears. For a little while. And then it's gone. That's what a mist does. And James, the half brother of Jesus, said, That's what your life looks like in light of eternity. It goes by really fast. I can tell you, as as a man who is now north of 50, or south of 50, if you want to, I don't know, it depends on how you look at your life. (laughs) It goes by fast. Go by, And so the thing is, and the reason I'm telling you, James is trying to make a point. He says, life goes by fast. And so you, if you're going to do something, if you're going to make your mark, if you're going to make a difference, then you've got to get on it. And you and I tend to be terrible procrastinators. We're always like, well, that's just not the season of life that I'm in right now, you know. And, and I've I got to get my ducks lined up. Guess what? You're never going to fully get all your ducks lined up. And so James is saying, so just do it. Just, 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 just do it. Um, in, Eccles- in Ephesians, I want you to open your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4. We have uh, been on a journey through this book for quite some time now. And the Apostle Paul is going to focus on this big idea about um, how to equip. And he's going to talk about it kind of on a large scale, how we, how we equip the church. And so... Um, if you have your Bibles or if you have your mobile device, would well, you just read those words with me? Because I know sometimes you're kind of looking up at, and you're going, okay, you read it to me. And I, actually, I would actually like you to read it yourself. So if you have anything available, uh, look over. If your, Bible, uh, your neighbor has a Bible, look over and look at their Bible to share with you. So uh, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, and this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So those are gifts. The, the, the grace that he's given to us are gifts for, not just for us. It's, everybody likes gifts. But he says, no, I've given you a gift so that you can give that to somebody else. And the gift is you. you. It's your own talents and abilities and the you, you very unique way that I, I shaped you. Verse 9. What does, he ascended from, what does he ascended mean, except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now, if you understand that, you're doing pretty good. Because it takes a, it, it takes a little bit of study sometimes to sort of unpack that. So let me help you with that. What is he talking about? Actually, when, what Paul is talking about, something that he's uh, recapping from the uh, 68th Psalm. And in the 68th Psalm, King David, uh, who wrote it, is talking about uh, war and something that Israel was quite familiar with. And many times when Israel was attacked, uh, they, would, they would go out and, and they would fight their, their enemy and they would have to go out wherever their enemy was. And, and, and if they had victory, what would happen is they would bring all the treasures back. They, they'd bring back the spoils. They'd bring back the gold, the silver, uh, all the things, you know, the cattle and things that were worth something, but the greatest thing that they would bring back is the P.O.W.s. Because many times their children have been taken, their husbands, their wives, families have been taken, they'd been enslaved by their enemies. And so when they would ride back in, there'd be kind of a parade atmosphere, and they would come in with the spoils. They would come in with the, the, the greatest treasure of all, people, and they would say, The captives have been set free. The captives are home. And so what Paul is saying, when he speaks about Jesus going ascending to descending, he says when Jesus came into this world, he became one of us. He played in our sandbox. He put on flesh. And he lived among us so that he could experience the human condition and understand where we're coming from. And then he actually took it to the next step. He died on a cross and descended even deeper into hell itself for us to set the captives free. But then it says before he departed from this world, he ascended. And he ascended with great power, and it was almost like the parade that Paul's talking about, where he said, when I ascended, I've set the captives free, so that every person who ever knows me, ever believes in me, ever trusts me, will be set free from the enemy. Let me read on. Verse 11, so Christ himself... Gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, what for? Verse 12. To equip, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith, we've been talking about unity a lot, uh, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. Next week we're going to talk about that. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God gifted each one of us in, in a very special way. And he gave us a special skill set. I wonder how many of you actually believe that. Do you believe that God gave you some skills? Turn to the person next to you and say, you got skills. Go ahead. You do. Every single one of you, God has uniquely designed you, gifted you, created you. And you have a skill set. And God wants you to use that skill set to help other people, to, to equip other people. And that's why he says to each one of us, grace which is actually a gift has been given to us. And by the way, we didn't give it to ourselves. We didn't even get to choose it. God looked at you, and he looked at you, and he says, here's what I'm going to give to you. That's that's why probably one of the worst things that we can ever do to ourselves when we understand about gifts and the gifts we have is to compare our gifts. You're like, well, you know, I feel like I got the short end of the stick. I want her gift, or I want his gift. God, God says, no, no, I... From the foundations of the world, I created you, and I created you just the way I wanted you to be, and I gave you a skill set that's going to make a difference in this world if you you allow it to. So Christ himself gave you... Now, listen to this part. This is the the gift to the church. The church is just the mission to reach the world. The local church, the church at large, the universal church. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and and the teachers. Now, what these are, they're their activity, their, their, their operating um, kind of gifts that, that we operate in. So, for instance, sometimes people say, uh, they call me Pastor Steve, and I'm okay with that if you want to call me Pastor Steve, but I'm really just Steve, who at this season of my life happens to be operating in the gift of pastor. Does that make sense? I mean, some of you, maybe you have kind of a prophetic gift, and then maybe sometimes you use it, but I, I kind of doubt if anybody calls you Prophet Chris, or Prophet Ian, you know I, I know there are some people that do that, but it's it's the activity it's the, that God wants to, to use in your life. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of um, unpack this a little bit and, and talk about what these means because how many of you have wonder have seen this before? Maybe you've read this very part of the scripture and you're like, so apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teacher, what is, what is this stuff all about? So let let me help you with this a little bit. Apostles are simply leaders who lead leaders. Apostles are the big, big picture people. They're the entrepreneurs. They're the CEOs. They're the people that have the big idea, and they go, you know what? And they have that kind of drive and personality and ambition, and they can see the future. The Apostle Paul was like that. He could, he could see what other people couldn't see, and he, and he would just drive things with his ability to mobilize people and bring them together and create beautiful things, start churches and everything that, that he did. That, that's what an, an apostle does. Now, that's the upside of an apostle. I'm going to tell you about the good and the bad of each one of these. because some, The bad is just something that you need to be aware of if it's what you are, sort of. That's kind of your, your bent. So the apostles can do all that, but they tend to be very impatient, and, and people just kind of get in their way. People become speed bumps to apostles sometimes. And you all know what I'm talking about. Maybe you probably work for people like this. They can see the big picture all day long. They've got vision that goes for forever. But when it comes to people, are like, speed it up. What's wrong with you people? And so if you have the apostle in you, that's something that you need to be aware of. Now, prophets, prophets are interesting. On a spiritual level, prophets are the people that really hear God well. Like they could hear God better than a lot. They're, they're leaning in and they're like, okay. And the prophet hears from God and then has a message for everybody else. In, in, in kind of the world that we live in today, uh, the, the prophet is the person who speaks the truth that nobody else wants to speak. The prophet is the person who doesn't go with the status quo. You ever been in one of those kind of meetings? Maybe it's a board meeting or you're in some kind of a corporation and everybody wants to please, you know, the CEO and everybody's going, yes. And that one person stands up and goes, excuse me. That's the prophet right there. They speak the inconvenient truth that nobody's like, oh, everybody is kind of looking at each other. They're kind of, they got their eyes down the ground. I can't believe you're saying that, you know. We all know it's true, but he actually said it. That's the prophet right there. And then you have the evangelist. Oh, by the way, the downside of the prophet is they can be very self-righteous. Oh, I heard from God. Too bad you didn't. Okay, so you just gotta, kinda, still have to watch that. The evangelist is the person who has this, you can always tell an evangelist because I mean, when we think of evangelists, we think of Billy Graham you know, filling stadiums, and that, that's just one very small description of evangelists. The evangelist is the person who usually is somewhere in a room, and everybody's gathered around them, and they're telling stories, and, and, and they have this incredible enthusiasm. They, they, they're inspirational people, and, and, and so the evangelist has the ability, and, and you will know if you are, to, to bring people together and to get excited about something. Now, An evangelist doesn't have to stand before people. I I knew a woman, her name was Elizabeth, and she was one of the most incredible people I've ever met. She never stood on a platform, but one by one, she would speak to people, evangelize people, tell them about the gospel, and on average, uh, somewhere between 100 and 150 people a year came into a relationship with Christ because of Elizabeth. She's one of the greatest personal evangelists I've ever met in my entire life. So it doesn't have to be in public. It can just be one of those kind of people. My, uh, my son-in-law, how many of you know my son-in-law, Micah? He's, 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 one, he's, he's got the evangelist spirit about him, if you've ever met him. Because anything that Micah gets excited about, he gets everybody else excited about. Like, right, and it kind of changes from you know, year to year with Micah, you never know. But right now, he's super excited about music. And uh, he lives over in New Mexico. And suddenly, all these, these men and these women that haven't you know, played their instrument forever are pulling them out 10 years later going, yeah, we're going to do music. Because he has that kind of enthusiasm where people just like, I want to do it because Micah said you should do it, and ah, we're just going to do it. That's the spirit of an, of an evangelist right, right there. Now, here, here's the downside of an evangelist. An evangelist thinks that whatever they're doing, you should be doing, and you can do it just as well as they can do it, and you're stupid if you can't do it as well as they can do it. And sometimes evangelists, you have to sort of like t- tone it down and realize there are introverts in this world. And there are people that have different gift sets, and it's not quite your gift set. So, you know, you just kind of have to sort of take it easy on that one. And then there's, there's the shepherd. Now, you can always tell a shepherd because a shepherd is the person who says, how are you? And they actually mean it. They're the person that they want to know when your birthday is so they can celebrate it. They're, the per- they're your 2 a.m. friend. Anybody know what a 2 a.m. friend is? That's that one person, and your life is falling apart, and at 2 a.m., You'll call that person. In this church, Tony, our campus director, is your 2 a.m. friend. Not me. <laughs> Be sure and tell him when he shows up next week, okay? Just say, Tony, I, I, just, I dare you to do it. Just say, Tony, you are my 2 a.m. friend. Okay. If you can't get Tony, try Donnie, okay? Anyway. <laughs> but, but shepherds, they just, they just nurture people. And they care about people deeply. And you're probably wondering, well, that sounds, that's awesome. Like, how could there ever be any downside to that? Well, the downside of a shepherd, especially from a, because shepherd and pastor are two words that are sort of interchangeable, is that sometimes shepherds can be so focused on the immediate group here, they forget about the group that's out there. And because they just love everybody so much and they care so much uh, and, and, and so they need a little bit of the them that says, uh, yeah, let's, let's, that's good, but there's people out there that, that need to know God as well. And then finally, uh, we have the teacher, and man, do we need teachers. Teachers are such a blessing to the body of Christ, because teachers are people that know, for instance, Einstein said this, a very smart guy. He said, if you can't explain it, you don't understand it. If you can't articulate it, you really, really don't understand it. And teachers have the ability to take things that are complex that the rest of us kind of scratch our head and go, oh, I don't know. And they break it down and they make it simple. And that is a beautiful gift that the body of Christ needs. We, we need teachers. We need teachers for children. And we need t- teachers or, or, yeah, for our students, uh, for our life group. So if you have the teaching gift, man, don't bury that gift. That is an amazing gift. What is the downside of a, of a teacher? Sometimes teachers can be a little, sort of fall into dry intellectualism and kind of lose the heart of what it's all about. They can explain it a thousand different ways and you're like, yeah, but, you know, where's the heart in all of this? So teachers have to be kind of aware of that. So let me put this into a business model, just for fun. I just, see, just just go with me on this, okay? Because here's what I want you to do. As you're sitting there, I want you to be having a conversation with yourself about, so what am I? Where do, where do I find myself in all of this? So let's just say that one of you decides that you're going to start a company here in PB, and we're going to call it Next Level Scooter Company. Right? How many of you have the people with scooters all around here? How many, how many of you have tried those? Okay. They're super fun. I haven't used one myself, and you, know, you have the app and everything, and, and I understand it's doing well. Everywhere I go, I see people on those scooters. And, and so you come up with a brilliant idea, and you go, I, I like that idea, but we're going to take it to the next level. Those scooters go 15 to 20 miles an hour. Ours are going to go 30, 35 miles an hour. And we're going to put shocks in ours so it's a smoother ride. So whoever comes up with that, you're the apostle. You're the person that says, we're going to do what nobody else is doing. We're going to go big. And so you've got that vision. You can see the future that other people can't see. You're the apostle here. But then there's the prophet. Now, the prophet is the person who comes into this thing with you. And the prophet says... Um, hey, hey, whoa, 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 slow down a little bit, man. You're going too fast. You're getting ahead of yourself. Okay, you, no, you can't, you, if you're going to take the money, the monies can't be spent there. They've got to be spent over here. And so the prophet's going to be the person who's kind of like watching the shop and saying, oh, oh, okay. And the, the prophet's going to tell you the truth in this business, and every, every business needs that. But then you have the evangelist, and that's the marketer. The evangelist is out there going, have you seen our next-level scooters They blow away those stupid things you see that people riding around. They're they're unbelievable. And by the way, did I tell you they have shocks? I mean, and they're just out there all day, and they're just talking it up, and they're going, these are the most amazing scooters. That's your evangelist. And then you have your shepherd. Well, you say, who who would the shepherds be? That's your HR person. Your shepherd is saying, you know, we got to keep the culture good, okay? Everybody needs to get along. Are we all getting along? Oh, good, good. Is Is everybody enjoying what we're doing? This is really good. Did you have a vacation? Be sure and take your vacation. Okay, that's the shepherd. And then, and then finally, you have the teacher. And the teacher is saying, so let me break down how this works for you. This is the reason that our scooter is better than everybody else's scooter. And, and let me show you how, how the shocks work, you know. And so they're going to be teaching this stuff. So in, did anybody find yourself in that? Like, where, where do you find yourself? Because you, you definitely fall into one of those categories, or maybe several of them. Maybe two, two or three of them, you go, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the evangelist, and I'm also kind of the apostle in some ways. I'm a starter of things, and, and, and sometimes I'm kind of that prophet. So I want you to think about that, all right? Which one of these five resonate most with you? And then how are you developing that? Like, if you know you have it in you, what are you doing to, like, develop that and, and make it better and, so you can actually use it? There's, there's nothing more tragic than a gift that just lies dormant, and you're not using it, and you should be using it. This is going to help a, a lot of people. That's what transformational leadership is, really, is to take our gifts and then help not just one person, but we help maybe a couple of people, and then they help more people, and it's, it's really it's the power of multiplication, of really having more impact than we ever, ever thought we could possibly have. He says to equip people for works of service, to help people. Um, how many of you know who Andy Stanley is? Andy Stanley has a church, North Point Community Church, uh, in Atlanta, and he's probably one of the biggest pastors in, in the country. And he's just an amazing uh, author and, and pastor. And I listen to his pod- A lot of times when I'm working out, I'm listening, I'm podcasting Andy Stanley. And I, I just I, about two months ago, I kept telling my wife, you need to listen to Andy Stanley. He's so good. He teaches so well. And so I come home about two months ago, and my wife is in the kitchen, and she's doing some stuff, and she's plugged in. I go, who are you listening to? She goes, Andy Stanley. I go, what do you think? She goes, he is awesome. I came home the next week, Andy Stanley. The following, so for the last two months it's been Andy Stanley. And she goes, you know what? It's way better than you. <laughs> way better than you. And he was the one that made this statement right here. He says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something that you do, but someone that you raise. That's a powerful statement. Somebody that you raised, somebody that you invested in. Somebody who maybe is a, is a friend or is a spouse or somebody in your family, and you're saying, I'm, I'm going to invest in that person. And I'm going to help that person discover their gifts. I'm going to help that person. Uh, maybe, maybe you see something in that. The, you know, the, I, we call it the I see in you factor. I see in you. And nobody's ever told them that. And you're that person. Maybe you, it's in the cubicle next to you at work, and you've noticed something about them and say, can I tell you something about yourself? And it, you know, they're like, what? I, I didn't even know that about myself. So, who are you raising up? One of the things that we talk about quite a bit around New Break is not only who are you raising up, but like who's ahead of you and who's next to you and who, who's behind you. And, and maybe, maybe some of you, you're here today and you thought, I, I, my brain doesn't work that way. I've never been taught that. Well, today's a good day to start, to actually think this way, because there was a point in my life when somebody told me that a long time ago. They said, Steve, you should always have somebody ahead of you spiritually. And you draft off of that person I still have people that are ahead of me, and I'm drafting off of them. I'm learning from them, and they inspire me. And there needs to be somebody like that in your life. But there also needs to be somebody right beside you. And you're pretty much, you know, you're going through the same things, and maybe you're around the same age, or you have the same issues that are in your life. Uh, And a spiritual level, you're about the same plate. And so you can help each other. You can pray together. You can talk about, hey, what's going on with you? And then finally, all of us need to have that person in back of us, and we're just ahead of them, maybe way ahead of them or a little ahead of them, and we're saying, hey, let me help you out here. I was once where you were. I've been through some of those things. Just yesterday, I was sitting down in a coffee shop, and a guy was, had a lot of problems, and he, I said, it was one of those conversations. I said, let me help you out here. Let me probably tell you about some things that really might help in your life. How are you currently doing with that? How are you currently using the gifts that you have and how would, how would you like to use them? Let me, let me tell you why it's important that you use your gifts. The church, the local church, is, is really God's idea to reach the planet. And, and, and when he talks about, you know, the evangelist and, and the prophet and all these different things, that's his plan. That's like not my plan. It's actually God's plan to reach out through our gift. So here's the beauty of it. When you begin to operate in the gift that God gave you, you will feel more alive than you have ever felt. Because it just, that's how God wired you. That's how he designed you. Like, when I'm standing up here Sunday after Sunday, I feel very alive. Why? Because there's this thing, there's this, like, spiritual thing going on, and God goes, that's how I wired you, Steve. You're using the gift that I gave you. By the way, I took a test. I would I just really encourage some of you to take a test. We have a whole bunch of, like, gift tests. You can take spiritual gift tests. And uh, so mine, actually, the number one uh, came out just slightly ahead of the other was teacher, was number one. Uh, and then right behind that was actually um, apostle. Uh, and, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. But then I thought about it. I've started two churches, and I've started other things, and I thought, okay, I guess I have that. in Which is really cool to see that. I'm inspired when I start things. I'm inspired when I'm up teaching, when I'm up preaching. So, but I want you to do that. I, it, you know, it's, it's, That's great for you, Steve, yeah. But I want it to be great for you. I want want you to find out what it is that God put in you, how he designed you. Maybe you are the evangelist and you didn't even know it. It's just that gift has just been there, just sitting there. And and God wants to use that gift in your life. That's how we build the kingdom of God. That's how we do it. But it'll never happen unless we all do that. When When I look around here, I've gotten to know a lot of you pretty well. I can already see some of your gifts in you. And it's just cool. I can see God using that that gift inside of you. But when we all begin to do this together, when we talked about unity, so we come together, and nobody's comparing, nobody's saying my gift is greater than your gift. We're just all saying we got skills. And we're all going to use those skills to move the kingdom of God forward, to connect people with God with our mission statement, to connect people with God through authentic relationships to serve our communities. That's what God has called us to do. That's, that's the big plan. So he says, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. When a church begins to look like that, that church is going to have impact. That's what God wants our church to look like. Firing on all cylinders. Realizing and understanding what, 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 our, what our gifts are. A lot of you I know have seen this movie, so this is no spoiler alert to say a couple things about it. The Wizard of Oz, probably one of the greatest movies uh, ever made. And, and so at the end of the movie, we know that they're all looking for something. We know that, that uh, the scarecrow is, is looking, he doesn't think he has a brain, and the tin man doesn't think he has a heart, and, and the lion doesn't think that he has courage. And then at the end, you know, we discover that the Wizard of Oz is actually a fraud. But then he redeems himself, because at the very end, he looks at these characters and he says to the Tin Man, you had a heart the entire time. You just didn't know it. And to the scarecrow, you were always smart. You had a brain, but you, you just didn't know it. And, and to, the, to the lion, you have courage. And you didn't know it. I wonder, I wonder how many of us are here today and we have a gift and we don't even know it. It's just sitting there, dormant in our life. And, we're, and God is saying, hey, I gave you a gift. I gave you a skill. Are you going to use it? Or are you just going to let it sit there? Oh, it's not that season of life for me, God. James says it goes by fast, brothers sisters. It goes by fast. We all need to take what God has given to us and, and, and use it for, for his purposes. So what am I choosing today to transform your community? So I want you to... Think about this. As we've been talking about, what what resonated with you? What do you feel like your natural bent is? What do you feel like your area of giftedness is? On your seats, uh, because I didn't, you know, you didn't think I was going to preach a message like this and just uh, end it like that, right? Because we want to give you opportunity. We want to give you opportunity. So on your seats, it says, join the team. And we always have opportunity here. You can look at the different areas of opportunity there. But I want you to consider that. One of the things that we're really big on here is allowing you, giving you the freedom to just explore, you might say, well, I'm going to give it a shot with kids. And then you'll come back three weeks later and go, not my gift. And we're, we're totally cool with that because you learn something about yourself. Some of you might say, well, there might be some musicians in here. And you say, well, I, I haven't really pulled out that horn for a long time or that saxophone or the drums, whatever it is. And it's a gift. God gave it to you. Hey, we could use your gift, all right? So take that, look at it for a second, and just, let's, let's pray, and then let's see what God will do. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the grand plan that you had. It's called the church, and it's called people that you've skilled people that you have given particular gifts that are very unique, all of us, all of us different. And we have these gifts that are resident inside of us to be used, to equip, to reach our, our communities, to reach our, our families, to reach our, the, the places where we work and, and the places where we play. And right now, I, I just pray that the, the, there's a, a moment of revelation right now that some people have a, just this clarity about, it's that. I, I've always wondered, but I know, it, it's that. And that for some other people, they'll, they'll begin to seek and maybe take a spiritual gift test or something because they want to know. They know that you have gifted them. And so, Lord, in this moment, um, God, help us to rise up to the occasion. Help us not let's just be people who occupy a seat on a weekend and say, well, I did my duty. But to know that it's so much more than that. We've got a mission ahead of us. Lord, you've called us to reach a people, so many people who don't know you. So many people whose lives are broken. And we can do something about it. So help us in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I was going to say, be seated. You already see. You know it's Dan. Uh, and we, we, will, we have prayer up here, so if anybody has anything that you'd like to pray about, come on up. Otherwise, uh, we have a halftime out there, and we have some goodies and food. So um, good to see you, and I look forward to seeing you next week, okay? And remind Tony that he is a 2 a.m. friend.